0: It's time for the IHSA Safety Podcast. Welcome to the IHSA Safety Podcast. I'm Enzo Garitano, President and CEO of IHSA. In today's episode, host Ken Rayner and Kathy Martin, IHSA's mental health and wellness specialist, continue their dialogue on mental health. This episode is focused on toxic masculinity. Ken and Kathy, over to you. Thanks, Enzo. Welcome back to the IHSA Safety Podcast. Kathy Martin. Kathy, today is our fourth podcast on mental health, and in this episode, we are going to focus on toxic masculinity. Yes, I said toxic masculinity, and and I'm sure our listeners uh, are sort of scratching their head in the same way I am. Kathy, what is toxic masculinity.
1: Hi, Ken, and thanks for having me back to continue our conversation on workplace mental health. So yes, uh, this topic of toxic masculinity is a really interesting one. And, you know, I would encourage listeners uh, today, you know, to stay open to what they might be hearing, um, and to definitely make sure that they check out the resources um, that we'll post later as well. Um, Now, right off the bat, Ken, I want to say and remind the listeners that men are not
0: Toxic. Ooh, thank you, Kathy. Because I, I wasn't sure where we were going with this podcast. and I was a little bit, uh, a little bit worried. So I'm glad you stated men are not toxic. Yeah, thank yeah.
1: You. Men are not toxic, but men uh, certainly are subject to uh, this concept of toxic masculinity or toxic social and cultural norms that we've, uh, you know, that we've placed on each other and that have formed our beliefs and our behaviors around masculinity in our society. So. It is these norms that have been shown to be toxic or harmful to mental well-being, and this will be the primary focus of our conversation and discussion today. So we could easily get into the weeds on this complex topics, but I want to try and keep it simple for listeners as it's the concept that is most important and breaking the cycle of behaviors um, that we really need to focus on, not the history of how and why we got to this place and why, you know, society still has toxic masculinity norms still in culture today. It's it's not about that. It's just about understanding what this concept is, like I said, and, and how we can maybe break some of those. Uh, Cycles so that we don't continue harming one another. So, you did ask me right off the bat, what is toxic masculinity? And as I mentioned, toxic masculinity is a set of social and cultural norms that we as a society have collectively, and that's both men and women, um, have bought into in the past and continue to perpetuate. Now, one thing about social and cultural norms is that they change and they shift over time. And certainly between cultures and various social settings, they can often uh, differ. So it's important then to really understand what are social and cultural norms um, as well. So a social norm, really, there's shared Standards of acceptable behaviors by groups. So a social norm can be either informal understandings that sort of govern govern your behavior, or it can be these codes or codified it into rules and laws. So we, we have laws, right, that are often actually keeping us behaving in an acceptable manner. So you know, you've put that into a workplace uh, example. Can um, I'm sure you can think how things have shifted, you know, over our career. Um, Things like uh, smoking, for instance. We used to, way back in the day, be allowed to actually smoke at your desk. And we've shifted time that's not an acceptable behavior anymore, and legislation as well around violence and harassment, um, to name a few. We, we legislate sometimes behavior that uh, is socially expected, um, and other times it's not legislated, but it's just common practice and common knowledge. So in broader society, like I said, <laughs> I remember back in the day, um, we legislated seatbelt use I don't know Ken if you remember when seat belts it was optional, whether you used uh, seatbelts, but I remember when they when they did you know, when they did that, um often hearing men teasing other men about wearing a seatbelt. It was considered kind of like a sissy thing to do. And nowadays, we wouldn't think that way, right? We'd actually frown upon a guy who got in a car and put on their seatbelt and still felt that way. We know it's it's the right thing to do and it's good for our safety, good sa- safety of everybody. And so, you know, we have shifted over time. Now, cultural norms are, like I said, standards we live by. And they are shared expectations and rules that guide behavior um, of people within social groups. So cultural norms are learned and reinforced from parents and friends and teachers and others while we grow up in society. So an example of this might be that in Canadian workplaces, there's a social norm that you don't take someone else's lunch from the fridge because you forgot yours. This is a fairly standard social norm, right? Most of us are governed by this uh, to some example. We try to live by this. We don't steal from each other or take without asking, But do we have a company policy, you know, about not taking someone's lunch? No, likely not. It's just, you know, common cultural norm, you know, like I said, not to steal and to ask before, you know, you, you take something. And you can see that. There are countless norms in society, these understood norms within workplaces, families, schools, and generally within social groups in general. And we have a set of understood norms around manliness, too, and masculinity. So let me explain this because, again, we can easily get stuck in the weeds. Not all behaviors and norms around masculinity or Manliness are toxic. Far from it. But toxic masculinity, like I said, is a set of cultural norms that involve placing pressures on men to behave in a certain way. And it's when we have those pressures that are really rigid um, and we don't give much room for, for choice. And these are often based on outdated and unrealistic stereotypes of manliness. So like I said, it's about the pressures we place on men to live up to masculine ideals um, that are often unrealistic. And it's these ideals or norms that have been shown to be harmful to both men and women based on the research. You know, again, men are oftentimes... Defined by these outdated and unfounded stereotypes, which create unhealthy and unrealistic understanding of what it means to be a man in today's society. For example, like assuming men should be protectors and all men should be breadwinners or leaders, or associating men with anger, or selfishness, or aggression can be really problematic and damaging. So when those beliefs are based on unproven biases that we have, um, both individuals and society, we continue to perpetuate that. And boys and men are taught to falsely believe them or try to measure up to them, ultimately harming themselves and others in the process. In many ways, manhood, like womanhood, comes from many expectations in North American societies. Um, And as a society, we value for example, kindness, compassion, and care in women more than we do in men for some reason. This does not mean that men aren't caring, compassionate, or emotional. Quite the opposite. But we as a society, for some reason, have traditionally not valued these traits in men. And this can lead men to believe that these traits aren't valuable. And that's the real problem with uh, this concept of toxic masculinity. So, Men may feel they have to overcompensate or act in a certain way to meet these more traditional standards. We're all human. And as human beings, regardless of your gender, we do have a combination of masculine and feminine traits. We need to allow people to be comfortable being fully human (laughs) because let's face it, folks, that's what we are. We all have basic needs. And the last I checked, we all have a whole range of human emotions too. And if we don't allow people to accept their wholeness or their humanity, then we're in essence asking them to block parts of themselves off from others and from themselves and this really is a recipe for mental health problems to develop so I know that was a lot to digest. Um, like, I want to just reiterate, men are not toxic. It's these expectations and norms that we've developed over time that cause a whole lot of trouble for for men and for women.
0: Yeah, I can see that. That's a good explanation. Um, I've got a better understanding of it now, Kathy. So thank you. How do the pressures like that society places on men to live up to these masculine ideals, how does it impact mental health, like both men's and you mentioned women. So how does it how does it impact both men and women's mental health?
1: Well, we need to unpack the concept of toxic masculinity a bit further. By the way, some people prefer to use the term hyper masculinity. And you know, I'm not really a fan of either term. I, but you know, if I have to pick one, I'll pick toxic masculinity, because hyper is kind of hard to define, whereas toxic, we can all understand is harmful. So Like I said, we're talking about the harmful social norms around masculinity, but not masculinity itself, which is a whole other topic. So let's look then at what are the main culprits when um, we talk about this concept of toxic masculinity based on the research, um, and get to answering your question about the impact of toxic masculinity on men's and women's mental health. According to researchers, toxic masculinity has really three core components. One is toughness, which is the notion that men should be physically strong, um, behaviorally aggressive, and, and unemotional. The second one is um, anti femininity. And this is the idea that men should reject anything considered to be feminine, such as showing emotion or accepting of help. And the third is power, the assumption that men must work towards obtaining power and status, be it social or financial, to gain respect of others. Now, some of you listeners might say, well, I don't buy into any of that. And and that's great. I'm hopefully, you know, hoping society, we are shifting away from that. But traditionally, these were values and traits that were highly regarded in the past um, and have shaped a lot of our cultural norms around masculinity still to date. So, a man who might Let's say personified hypermasculine physical traits, not necessarily display toxic behaviors that uh, we are talking about when we talk about toxic masculinity. And a good example, uh, I think, is The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. He certainly displays on the surface a lot of those sort of hyper-masculine ideals that you know we uh, sort of idolize, I guess, or idealize um, in society. He's you know strong, he's fairly non-feminine, he's powerful, etc. You know, the question is, does he hold on to toxic ideals of masculinity? Um, does he expect that he require that you know he requires those traits to be an ideal man? You know, does he internalize that, or does he allow room for other ideals? You know, how does he treat other men, etc.? Now, these are hard questions to answer without having you know Dwayne here in front of me to to ask you know, we don't want to get into the weeds here. My point is you can be a strong, you know, anti-feminine, you know, powerful guy, you know, dude's dude, if you will, and not hold on to the toxic ideals or have toxic behaviors because of that. So I just want to reinforce that. So I guess the way to answer on how this affects men and women's mental health is that if men in our society are held to these ridiculous rigid norms that allow them to be something other than that doesn't sorry, that doesn't allow them to be something other than what we expect them to be. Then those who don't measure up are often feeling what I you know, you call less than, right? You put that in quotes less than. You know, they're often feeling like I don't quite measure up to those ideals. And we know that when you don't measure up or you have that sense of feeling you're not measuring up, then this can lead to depression, anxiety, and a whole host of other related mental health issues like addictions. And it's this sense of having to, like I said, measure up to this expected norm that can be the problem. And how many men, um, if you think about The Rock, how many men have looked up to The Rock and said, I don't measure up um, and have felt a little bit less than when comparing themselves uh, to others? And the problem is, why are we conditioned to comparing? Um, Why do we think these traits, as I just described, uh, make a man? These are questions we need to ask ourselves um, and dig a little deeper. So women, too, you know, are held to some ridiculous, uh, rigid cultural and social norms um, that are harmful to women's mental health. For example, um, you know, it's pretty common social norm, you know, to women can't be fat for some reason. Right. And this has been defined by social norms in the past. And of course, we've seen some shifts in what it means to be, you know, quote, fat in our society being a certain size has driven women to do some pretty harmful things to themselves and to others, especially if they don't measure up to that social ideal. So we know like fat stigma and fat shaming is still a real issue in our society for women, but it's changing um, with more body positivity. And so the same concept is happening with challenging womanness or womanliness and manliness. And we're starting more and more to challenge men to break down some of their more, uh, you know, of the more toxic beliefs around what it is to be a man in today's society. This is a good thing. Um, We're doing this because the research has told us um, a lot of these old stereotypes, old social norms were hurtful, and they're toxic to our mental well-being. It's important to note, so many things can interact and play a role here on how a man views masculinity or how a man is perceived by others. We often hear this term intersectionality to describe how we experience the world around us or how we're being seen by others in our social group or society. For example, um, you know, a man's race or ethnicity may intersect and play a role in how he views masculinity as well as how others perceive him. So, likewise, we know that men who identify as LGBTQ+, uh, plus or who don't conform to, to those more traditional gender norms, we know from the research and experience um, that they're at greater risk of experiencing physical and psychological harms due to toxic masculinity. So, good news. Um, like I said, we are shifting as a society, and, you know, I believe In most Canadian workplaces and schools and in many family households, when it comes to challenging some of the rigid, more outdated norms around masculinity, that this is starting to happen. It's becoming more commonplace to challenge some of these behaviors. But I do, however, think the norms of toughness and anti-femininity and and power are still very much alive and strong in today's workplaces um, and in Canadian societies. Maybe, maybe not as rigid, which is good, but definitely still there. And the sectors that IHSa serves, I think, um, because they're so highly male dominated, they're particularly challenged still, and, and have a lot of work in this space. Uh, like I said, I think we're we're getting there, and we need to continue talking about it. And the main reason is it's really impacting men's mental health significantly. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, I know you you mentioned some of the the effects of toxic masculinity on on women's health what about the examples of men's health what are some of the effects that you know in the impacts that we can that that toxic masculinity can have Kathy?
1: Yeah well again you know based on the research toxic masculinity can have many effects on men's uh, health both physical and mental. A couple of things that you know jump out to me are things like glorification of unhealthy habits and this stems really from the notion that self-care is for women somehow (laughs) and can cause some men to treat their bodies like machines um, if they buy into that notion they might skip on sleep or work out even if they're injured and push themselves to the physical limits Um, they may be less likely to seek preventative health care which you know can lead to more chronic problems down the road and also It can perpetuate mental health stigma in the sense that toxic masculinity views depression, anxiety, and substance abuse issues um, and mental health problems as weaknesses. It, It also discourages men from talking about their feelings or seeking mental health treatment. And this avoidance may further increase uh, feelings of isolation and loneliness, so it can just kind of get the vicious cycle going. And, you know, the research will support that, you know, as a result of these um, and other effects of toxic masculinity, men are less likely than women to access mental health treatments. And men are far more likely than women to actually die by suicide. And we also know uh, that significantly more men than women have been dying from opioid overdoses. So this is just a few ways. I mean, we could talk for hours, Ken, I'm sure, on this. (laughs) But, uh, you know, the research does support that uh, some of these behaviors and ideologies definitely have been uh, impacting men's mental health. Your guy, <laughs> as an you know, as an adult male in his fifties, if I'm allowed to say that on air, yeah, you know, absolutely. has toxic has toxic, you know, how has toxic masculinity affected your life?
0: Well, it's interesting, Kathy, because just as you were going through the you know the glorification of unhealthy uh, habits and the uh, perpetuation of of mental health stigma. I was sort of doing check marks, you know, sort of beside and, and just kind of going, yeah, I've dealt with that. Yeah, I've been in that situation. Yeah, I felt that way. So I think, you know, for for, for most of us growing up in the seven, for that are of that vintage of growing up in the 70s, 80s and 90s, I'm sure that everyone's had um, examples of, you know, not, not being able to, you know, speak your mind on things. As you said, you know, it, it could relate to weakness. Certainly pushing yourself or doing things because you believe that's the right thing to do as a male right and and there 's no there 's nothing that says you should there's no there 's no research that backs it up that says it 's the right thing to do it 's just something that you 've been sort of taught and guided over the years informally right mostly informally in terms of learning from your friends or from others or from you know uh people that you work with or whatever it is but um yeah a hundred percent it 's impacted me uh to some degree uh, over the course of my life
1: you know I think you know you 're pretty common i mean it's it 's a very pervasive thing in our society. And, um, you know, I I really believe, you know, we need to talk about toxic masculinity if we really want to make headway in improving men's mental health in Canada. And we know that there's significant gaps between uh, men and women's mental health and, and certainly around early access to treatment and seeking support and, and you know, mental health is a killer. (laughs) If we don't, you know, we're losing good men to mental health in Canada. And uh, I would hate it to be because they're too afraid to be vulnerable and show those weaknesses. So yes, it's definitely worth talking about.
0: And this, and this podcast, like you said, is is great for our members in terms of uh, you know we, we support many um, many industries that have been uh, male dominated for for decades, and so this hopefully will be a topic that you know maybe maybe uh, uh, might be a, a difficult listen at first, but hopefully if people keep their minds open to it that uh, they'll get something out of it. So why don't we talk about the workplace then, Kathy? Like, what what steps could a workplace take starting today, we'll say, to address toxic masculinity, so that no, both men and women are not negatively impacted in the workplace. What, what are some things they could do?
1: Well, you know, I'm sure the listeners have realized today that toxic masculinity has some pretty deep roots, um, and we must keep digging to uproot and challenge this in society and certainly within workplaces. And, and if you've ever really stopped to think um, why we have no bullying tolerance in schools today, um, or why we might have anti-violence and harassment legislation, well, it's because it isn't because people are bad, you know, and we've had to put in these controls because we've taught boys um, in the past in particular that they need to be tough and not take any BS from others. And, and we valued, you know, aggression in, in the past. And, and so we created a problem and then we legisl- try to legislate the problem away instead of teaching, you know, good conflict resolution in schools. And we're starting to see more and more emphasis on sort of root cause, right? Getting to the root cause. And, and that's what we need to do here with workplaces. You know, I've been asked to sort of support ITSA sectors in, in workplace mental health. And I'm like, well, you got to look at the root cause, what's driving some of this. And, and, you know, I'm just here as a messenger, so please don't shoot the messenger. Um, toxic masculinity is driving some of this in, in our workplaces. So, Ken, you know, I guess, you know, how, what can workplaces do? Start talking about it? you know, start looking at things a bit differently. Ken, like, you know, if I were to ask you, you know, how did you resolve conflict on the playground when you were growing up?
0: oh yeah so grade school middle school high school you know for the most part a fight after school if if you had a a real strong disagreement with somebody which solved nothing (laughs) by the way right it it didn't the problem didn't go away it got worse because after the fight you felt terrible right it it didn't feel like you 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 did something great or you accomplished something that made you feel terrible, or you teased or you know you you harassed the person or teased them or they got you know just especially if you lost
1: the fight right Ken I mean it's one thing if you want the fight <laughs> it's yeah. thing if you lost the fight right <laughs>
0: either either way I don't think you felt good about it right like it, it just was it, yeah so I mean we didn't you know it, it, it didn't lead to 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 resolutions um and so it didn't work from my perspective none of that worked and I'm glad we changed it because um there's got to be different ways right to, to get to the to get to the outcome that we want and
1: I think you know like I said we we sometimes try to legislate some of these problems away but I I my guess is that you know it's still there in in different ways. It manifests maybe a little different, might look a little different. Um, you know, it, it might not be, you know, the fist fights you know, on the playground, but it might be off the playground on the walk home or it might be online aggression. We hear a lot about cyberbullying. Um, and we often, you know, if you look to the south of us, the south of the border, these mass school shootings, they're pretty scary. Where's this all coming from? You know, there's still a lot of pent up anger and and things that aren't coming out that we need to allow boys to come to terms with at a much younger age. And, And we need, and men, and men of all ages, we need to allow them to be human, not machines and so i guess you know i'll get to the point here we we've got to get to that point where we everyone be vulnerable and seek help when they need to and realize that they're human and not to be ridiculed or worse you know self-judgment right we 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 so often prevent ourselves from seeking care um and help because of our own self-judgment and we talk about self-stigma when we talk about mental health a lot and and men are are really impacted by self, self self-stigma, self-judgment. And so we need to allow men to, to be human. So workplaces, like I said, need to be talking, um, taking a closer look at how they might uh, be upholding some of these traditional social values that might be toxic. So construction, I don't, you know, don't get me started, but you know, how do you behave on the, you know, boots on the ground uh, on the job site? What, you know, how is toxic masculinity still playing out? How can you challenge that? What do we value and reward in our workplaces? Like I said, what do do we uphold? Our violence and harassment and those anti-bullying policies, right? We might have a great policy, but are we enforcing them? How do we tackle mental health stigma? Like I just mentioned, do we have men telling their stories of vulnerability and how they sought help and maybe found recovery for mental health and, and addiction issues or is it just a women thing to do you know like that's for the girls to talk about in the workplace like are the guys talking about it we need to tackle toxic masculinity like i said if we want to tackle mental health stigma and and help improve help seeking behaviors among men we know that based on the research that those highly male dominated workplaces also see heightened impacts from toxic masculinity so you know it's the old saying, you know, throw a bunch of guys together, and they'll act like guys, right? (laughs) So, you know, we need to challenge what that acting like guys is, and the acceptable behaviors, right? And we need to challenge some of those uh, past outdated norms. And so, you know, again, like I said, just talk about it, you know, try the safety talk, we do have a safety talk on toxic masculinity on the website. So maybe give that a go. And there is a great Uh, documentary that's been done uh, that I really enjoyed. It's called The Mask You Live In. Um, So consider, you know, watching the trailer, which is on the safety talk on the second page there you can look at the trailer and if you're interested you know encourage i encourage you all to watch the show the full show um maybe even watch it with a group from work you know it's really up to workplaces and for champions within the workplace to step up and you know be brave in having these conversations which you know can feel a bit intimidating at first right ken like when i brought out the topic of toxic masculinity i'm sure you were like oh, what <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, you know, it's a good thing to be brave. And, and it's a good thing. Uh, bravery is one of those things we, we you know, expect of men. Ha ha, right? Like, we, you know, we need men to be brave and actually talk about this tough stuff. So anyways, I guess, you know, it's one thing for women like myself, or even a non-gendered conforming man to stand up um, and talk about this. But what about all the other guys? We need men to stand up for each other, in my opinion. So, you know, I'm going to just turn the tables on you once again, Ken. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you've experienced toxic masculinity throughout your life. So, what could you do as a man today differently um, to start combating toxic masculinity?
0: Well, certainly I've got much more awareness of it today uh, through what you've shared with us, Kathy. So I appreciate that. The other one I think is is just about reflecting in terms of, um, you know, I probably can't come up with any example of toxic masculinity uh, that I was uh, exposed to where it, it, it was a positive in my life. So I think it's about starting to challenge some of that in terms of, you know, if I'm a, with a group of friends or um, in any type of setting and, you know, that some of the the toxic toxic masculinity bubbles up whether it's one person teasing another or whatever it is i think it's about just speaking up and looking to to break break the cycle, right? Because if, if we don't do it in our generation, then we're just going to pass it on to the next one to deal with, right? So um, I, I think it's just, to me, it's about the next time I, I hear something. And after we've gone through this today, Kathy, um, then I need to I need to make a comment when I hear somebody making uh, a statement or something that aligns with toxic masculinity and just bring some awareness to them as well. Because I would say that uh, there's, a, there's a lot of men out there that um, aren't aware of the impact it has on others um, and, 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 on themselves. So, yeah, I, I thank you for that. Cause it, um, that was a little, I was a little skeptical going into this uh, podcast going, Oh boy, toxic masculinity. Where's this one going to go? But I'm really thankful that you brought it up and I thank you for, for raising it to our attention. And, um, you know, that and hopefully that others will see it in the same light. So thank you very much, Kathy, for uh, again, helping us uh, unpack some some mental health challenges and, and some uh, solutions on how to address them. So thank you very much.
1: You're welcome.
0: Thank you for listening to the IHSA Safety Podcast and our series on mental health. Be sure to subscribe and like us on your podcast channel and visit us on ihsa.ca for a wealth of health and safety resources and information. The IHSA Safety Podcast. For more episodes, tips, and all things safety, go to
1: ihsasafetypodcast.ca. Thanks for listening.
0: Each year, about 5,000 IHSA supervisor logbooks are ordered for supervisors across Ontario. Why is the logbook so popular? Because it was developed by the industry for the industry. That's what makes it unique. IHSA thanks the members of the Labor Management Network and Advisory Councils who contributed their knowledge, experience, and time to the preparation of this supervisor logbook. Contact IHSA at 1-800-263-5024. That's 1-800-263-5024. 5024 or visit IHSA.ca.
1: That's IHSA.ca.